Welcome to No Ordinary Ordinary Women. Women. Rose, what are you doing? I don't know. Are you drunk? (laughs) No. The podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women. Uh, The good, the bad, the bad, and the bad shit. I don't remember what I'm supposed to say. Crazy. (laughs) I can't remember where I'm supposed to say that. Rose has lost her marbles. She's (laughs) lost her marbles, y'all. This is what happens when you try and do two episodes in one night. And Rosie's oh drinking. my god! She You've been it. working all day. Yeah. So you ready for this, Rose? Hi, I'm Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget to do that. <laughs> I think your ADD brain is. Like, I know, and this it's every, like moving around, and then you're I, like going oh. and going, and then you're like, wait, hi, I'm Lynn. Yeah. And this bee over here is Rose. I'm Rose. How's your week going, Rose? It's been fantastic. Very short week. Very short Love week. it. This is a week we're doing two episodes. So we're a little punchy. We're a little punchy. And very tired. Very tired. Tomorrow's turkey day. Tomorrow is turkey day. But I don't know if I'll eat turkey, so it's I'll call it stuffing day. That's okay. You don't have to eat. I don't eat that much turkey. Yeah. I like all the other stuff the best. I just like a little turkey to go with my stuffing and mashed potatoes yeah. and yeah. gravy. My cranberry sauce spread all over that stuff. I love it. I don't think I've ever had cranberry sauce. What? Actually, I had it on a sandwich once at Safeway. It's so good on a sandwich. Oh, Christina said, fuck bitches, pick up mine. Oh, shit. Excuse me. We are very important podcasters. So we are running. Rose talked me into, somehow, I must have been high, talked me into running in a race tomorrow. I have firmly asserted over the years that I am not the kind of person that runs races on Thanksgiving morning. I'm the kind of person that drinks Bloody Marys. Somehow or another, Rose has persuaded me to run in a race tomorrow. When was the last time I ran, you ask? 1953. During the pandemic, I was running. I haven't oh, yeah, run since then. I remember then. you running. I haven't run that since then. That was at your then. old house, wasn't it? Yeah. I was running, you know, four days a week at least. And now I haven't run since then, so we'll see. I'll be dead. Tomorrow. Rose will be doing the podcast by herself yep. next week or the week after. That'll be fine. So, yeah. So, you want to hear I'm talking about, bitch? Hold on. So, we're trying to get her sister to pick up our race packets because yeah. we forgot all about them. And she's being a tool and not picking up our packets yeah. for us. Like, why not? Like, Just she knows it, we're busy. Okay? She has nothing else to do. We're famous podcasters and she we're very nothing busy. nothing else. Like, literally nothing else to do. <laughs> I mean, 26 people at our house tomorrow. Who cares? Like, we are more important. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah, she doesn't even listen anymore, so it doesn't matter. I could send Joseph to get it, but... That's all right. Yeah. So you want to hear what I'm talking about? Do you? Huh? huh? Not really. Huh? Do you? Okay. All right. Well, it was nice knowing you guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great episode. See you later. So in tune with my episode that came out two weeks ago... Oh, yeah. I was I, excited for this one. I talked about um, Alva Glander... Glanderbilt. Glanderbilt. I talked about Alva Vanderbilt two weeks ago, which led me to, I want to learn more about Gloria Vanderbilt. So I did the Gloria Vanderbilt, and I'm going to tell you about her. All right. So Gloria Vanderbilt, born on February 20th. 20th, 1924, in New York City, belonged to the affluent Vanderbilt family. Her father, Reginald Vanderbilt, was the great-grandson... Reginald. Reginald was the great-grandson of Cornelius Vanderbilt, a railroad tycoon and one of America's first millionaires. 
However, her mother, Gloria Morgan, was more interested in parties than parenting. Oh. Yeah. So she I is, had one of those. She is like a Gloria <laughs> Jr. And her mother also, just so you know, was a twin. She had a twin sister. Gloria lost her father, who suffered from really, like, serious alcoholism. He died from liver disease when she was a toddler. Oh, no. But she received a multi-million dollar trust when he passed. Following his death, her mother took her and her brothers to Paris under the care of her maternal grandmother and nurse. Her nurse's name was Emma, but she was also known as Dodo. And Dodo was... Um, like her world. So back in these days, um, people that in high society traveled and partied and yeah. did fittings and, you know, social events and everything, and their kids were raised by a nanny or right. a nurse or whatever it may be. So Dodo was like her person. That was her maternal person. Um, so when her mother took her brothers, her and her brothers to Paris... Soon after, there was a well-publicized custody case. (gasps) At the age of 10, Gloria became the subject of a custody battle between her mother and her paternal aunt, Gertrude Whitney. What the hell? Yeah, her dad's brother. Uh, (laughs) Derp. I don't think that's an aunt. Her Brad's sister. Her dad's sister. sister. (laughs) Oh, my God. You guys, it's going to be a long one. Everyone just turned it off. If you have a gummy, just take it now. It'll be more funny. Mm -hmm. So... Aunt Gertrude ultimately won custody, allowing Gloria to spend summers with her mother. So wait, why why was her aunt fighting for custody? Because she didn't think it, she knew that her mother was like out partying and like oh, in the social life, and, and she was. She like, must have been pretty bad if her aunt won custody. Yeah, and so she was like, "No, we're winning. You know, we're taking." And so the mother also had a inheritance, but most of it was the trust from Gloria. Oh, okay. So, and she was living on the interest of it. Oh, okay. So, um, so but when she would go live with her mother in Beverly Hills um, for a two-week stay in the summer, um, Dodo couldn't go with her, which that Aww. was like her, that was her world, yeah. right? So she it was really sad for her. So when she went to Beverly Hills, her month, her two-week stay went to a two-month stay. So Gloria emerged in her teens as a popular popular young socialite with her own distinct style, appearing in <laughs> Harper's Bazaar magazine in 1939. Christina said, I hate both of you. <laughs> we love her. We love her. We love her. Cheers. I mean, let's be logistical. She's, I know she's four right. and a half minutes from the, the school. If either you or I go, it's going to be a good 15 minutes out of your way, and it's going to be a... 35 minutes out of my way. 35 minutes out of my way. So maybe I'll bring her a cocktail tomorrow morning for after the race. I don't think that would be a good idea, Lynn. Why? Because she has to set her house up for all these people coming. Just bring her one cocktail. You don't want to have a cocktail after the race? I don't think I do. Hmm. Wow. I know it's rare that I turn them down, but... I think that would be bad news bears. After you run, you're going to be tired. Then I'm going to go home and be like, I'm just going to lay down and go to sleep. There you go. But you don't have to be there for three more hours, four more hours. No, we have to shower and get ready because we have to be there at like 11 or 12. What? 
Yeah, we eat at like one. <sighs> We're scheduled to eat at three, but that usually ends up being later. So, so anyway, so the summer after, so Gloria is quoted as saying, "The summer after my junior year in junior year in high school, I went out on dates with movie stars every night: Errol Flynn, George Montgomery, Ray Milland, Milland. I don't know any of those people. Me, They're not I know movie who stars. Errol Flynn is, but not the other two. She once said, "My mother let me do anything I wanted to do, and I hardly ever saw her." Oh, so she probably was like, "I don't want to live with my aunt. I want to live with my mother." Yeah, well, she yeah, she stayed for that two month stay, which yeah. used to be two weeks. During this time, she dated Hollywood stars and emerged as a popular socialite. She met Pasquale DeCio, DeCicio, and otherwise known as Pat. She soon dropped out of high school to marry oh, Pat. Oh, no. He was a Hollywood agent and the ex-husband of film star Thelma Todd. You know who she is, don't you? That sounds familiar. No. Uh, no, I don't know her either. <laughs> <laughs> you bitch. But... Unfortunately, Thelma Todd died under mysterious circumstances, <gasps> with many wondering if Pat may have been involved in what many suspected had been a murder. There was also rumors that he was affiliated with the mob. Oh, Pat, was he a movie star? No, he was a he was a um uh mobster. No, god damn it, what was he? Model? He was a Hollywood agent. I was like, what was it? No. So they ended up they ended up marrying in 1941 when Gloria was only 17. Ugh. Pat was 32. <gasps> that disgusting piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, you probably think that's okay. I do. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the Don't same get, difference. Don't yeah. get me started. Gloria <laughs> described the marriage as an unhappy, <sighs> abusive one. They divorced in 1945. He was physically abusive and kept her under his thumb. He was yeah, like, of course she did. He was 32, marrying a child. Yeah, and she said, "I was mesmerized." She said he was forceful, domineering, and supremely sure of himself. When you have low self-esteem, as she did, this is her saying this. Um, all those qualities are very attractive. Yeah, I agree right. with that. I totally agree. Soon That's after why the, you like me. I, exactly. I'm very domineering. Yes. Forceful. Powerful. Whatever. I'll beat your ass right, here, right now. <laughs> Soon after the divorce, or maybe or rose, maybe before, Gloria found love again with classical music conductor Leopold Strakowski. Marrying him one day after her divorce. Wow. With deceased so she was... uh, Right after the divorce was finalized. Gloria was 21. You ready for this? Yeah. Stokowski was 63. <gasps> he had wrinkly balls, How did she Rose. meet him? <laughs> How did she even meet they, a 63 They were married for 10 years. I don't remember. 10 years? They, 10 years. She didn't even need his money because she had her own money, right? Uh, yeah. But she was like, the minute she met him, she knew that he, she would marry him. She was like completely. What? He's a, like her grandpa. I know. I know. <laughs> he was fuck? totally like um, she was like mesmerized by him. She she knew she'd marry him. What in the world? They ended up having two sons, Stan and Christopher. Stan largely largely refrains from the spotlight that tends to follow his famous family, though he is said to have remained close with his mother and occasionally appeared with her in public events. Over the course of his life, he has owned several landscaping business in the New York and New England areas and has a wife, Emily Goldstein, and two daughters, Abra and Cadabra. 
Just kidding. Oh my god, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can make sure I'm paying attention. Uh, <laughs> His daughter's names are Abra and Aurora. Sorry. <laughs> Abra and Kadabra. I couldn't help that. I was like, uh, Abra and Kadabra. Abra, Abra, Kadabra. Okay. So Christopher Stokowski is the younger of Vanderbilt's two sons with Leopold Stokowski. Uh, less is known about his life due to his lengthy estrangement from the Vanderbilts and her other children. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. Um, and his general retreat from the public life. While details have never been released to the public, it appears that Christopher cut himself off from the rest of the family in 1978 and is said to have become a recluse. Reportedly, as a result of an incident regarding Vanderbilt's therapist, Chris Zoes, which affected Christopher's relationship with his fiancée, April Sandmeyer, at the time. And I couldn't find much more about that. It's very interesting. Her marriage with Stokowski ended in 1955. Gloria also had a love had love affairs with Frank Sinatra, <gasps> although being warned not to because apparently he was a womanizer. Howard Hughes and Marlon Brando. Wow. Yeah. During this tumultuous period, Gloria explored her passion for art in the Art Students League of New York and took acting lessons from Stanford Meisner. Meisner, at the Neighborhood Playhouse. Sidney Lamet, the TV and movie director, was husband number three. They married in 1956. How old was he? Uh, it doesn't say. They married in 1956 and divorced seven years later. Hold on. I got to see how old he was. Okay. She likes old, old guys. He was known for critically acclaimed films such as 12 Angry Men, Dog Day Afternoon, Network, and Serpicio. Serpicio? What is his name? Silly Lumet. Sydney, L U M E T. Lumet. So what? What year was she born? They married in 1956. Gloria. Oh, she was born in 20. Oh, they're the same age. Oh, well, that's weird. That's probably why it didn't Wait. last. Wait. <laughs> it says she's 95 years old, born in 1924. He's 86 years old, born in 1924. Huh. That's not right. Maybe that's when they died. She died when she was that age. Maybe he died oh. when he was that age. Yeah, you're stupid. I mean, I'm stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. She died at 95 in 2019. Okay. Oh, sorry. Wyatt, could you just blow my story? Thank you. I'm done. <laughs> Damn it, Rose. <laughs> sorry. Wyatt Cooper was Gloria's last husband. They were married from 1963. Oh, that's... Anderson's son's name. It's, well, that's Anderson's dad. Dad's name. Yeah. Okay. They were married from 1963 until his death in 1988. And together they had two sons, one of whom is a journalist, Anderson Cooper. From most accounts, the years with Cooper were among her happiest. So um, she raved about being in love. She said that there was nothing like it. And she said everybody needs to experience love in their life. Aww. And she felt like he was her true love. So how many husband, How many sons did she have? Four. And just four. She had two from Stokowski and then two from uh, Cooper. Um, Wyatt passed away in 1978 during open heart surgery following a heart attack, leaving Gloria a single mother actively involving her sons in a glamorous life. 
Gloria had already been designing home goods, but after the death of her husband Wyatt, she became a household name when she started designing clothing, especially her hats. Oh Jesus Christ, Rose! <laughs> I'm going home. Scarfs. I'm going home. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Her jeans, Gloria Vanderbilt jeans, they were all the rage. Well, how am I supposed to know that? I'm You're not probably four. 60. <laughs> <laughs> they were very popular when I was in school. They had a little swan on the back pocket, oh my and they God. were kind of like a stretchy jean. Nobody had made that before. Now that's all you can get. You can't get real jeans anymore. No. Not well, God forbid can... you fucking get real jeans. Well, I like real jeans because they suck everything in. I like real jeans, but you can't get them. You order jeans, and they're like stretchy jeans. Makes regular jeans. Oh, I've never ordered Levi's. Well, there you go. So she was on television commercials and walking down the street. People would stop her all the time and compliment her jeans and talk to her. Anderson says this. My brother and I had a game that throughout the day we would try and count how many women we saw with our mom's jeans on my our mom's name on their jeans, Aww, which is kind of funny. That's cute. In the 80s and 90s, Gloria lived in a posh townhouse in New York Upper East Side that had six bedrooms and six and a half bathrooms. Oh, that's huge <laughs> in New York. It was listed for twelve million dollars when it. Holy when its shit! Then owner put it put the home on the market in September of twenty twenty two. That's insane. That's a big freaking place in New York. Yeah, since most of them, like for wealthy people, are, I mean, not wealthy people, but people who are doing well. Or like 500 square feet. <laughs> yeah, at the most. <laughs> right. A lot of them, if you get anything under $2,000, you have to share a bathroom with people down the hall. Fuck that. Born in 1965, Carter was the eldest of Vanderbilt's two sons with Wyatt Emery Cooper. His brother Anderson would later be des- would later describe him as a gentle boy interested in military history and politics, though not one, suited for a rough and tumble the rough and tumble of the game. So yeah. he's pretty sensitive. Yeah. Anderson explained he felt things too deeply. In 1987, Carter graduated from Princeton and began working on book reviews as well as editing for the history magazine American Heritage. On July 22, 1988, at the age of 23, Carter died by suicide after jumping from the terrace of Gloria's 14-story apartment. I remembered that. When you said his, when you were talking about him, I was like, "Oh yeah, he committed suicide." Lori was present at the time and pleaded with her son to come away oh, from the no. edge of the terrace before he jumped, a fact that naturally haunted her Ugh. in the ensuing decades of her life. Can you imagine, good God! So he was like, he had bad asthma, and he was on a new medication, and it like made him just like lose his shit. Oh, and I no. vaguely remember like people talking about some asthma medicine causing like. That's awful because you think like, ugh. And she was like begging him. He's like on the ledge and he just jumped off while she was standing there watching. I can't even imagine. Because, it, I mean, it's almost better if like that person is mentally unstable like always. Yeah. Then for something like that to cause them to be mentally unstable and then they, yeah, and during he was, that time. But he was a, he was a very lives. sensitive person yeah. too. That's so, so sad. Despite the sorrow, she openly discussed her grief writing A Mother's Story. In 1997, where she talked all about his passing, she said some people she was quoted as saying some people who knew Carter will start to talk about him and then say, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. And she said, no, I love to talk about him more and more and more. Gloria told people in 2000, told People magazine in 2016, because that brings him alive and it brings him closer and means that he hasn't been forgotten. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so heartbreaking. Does he ever, I've, you know, I don't think I knew Anderson had other brothers. Does he well, ever talk about them? I, I don't recall him, but in the um, documentary he and his mother did, they talked about his two older brothers that from his mom's second marriage. And then the one was actually in the documentary. The other one is definitely yeah. doesn't want any part of this. But, um, yeah, it was kind of cool. He looked a lot like his his dad. His I guess brother. they're so, so much There's older than him. Big age difference. Yeah. yeah. So I think... So Anderson's quoted as saying, I think it's still hard to believe it's been so long because I think it's still so present in our lives, that sense of loss. And so An- sad. Anderson told People magazine. And that's really hard because it was just him, like, growing up. It was just brother, him and his right. brother. Yeah. yeah, and him and his mom and his brother. There was, like, yeah. their dad died when they were young. That's so sad. And so there's all these really cute pictures He's of them. He's experienced so much loss. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I... I thought, Gloria is quoted as saying, I thought the worst thing that had ever happened to me was when I was nine. She said in during her documentary, um, not, the name of the documentary is Nothing Left Unsaid, um, referring to the famous bitter battle over her custody with her aunt Gertrude and her mother yeah. and Dodo. But that wasn't the worst. The worst is to lose a child, which... Obviously, we both can't even imagine that. Oh, my God. And to be there and in those circumstances. And not be able to stop him. That's heartbreaking. Financial setbacks in the early 90s forced her to sell property and the property in New York, the townhouse, and eventually led to the sale of her apparel company in 2002. Her former lawyer and psychiatrist collaborated and swindled huge sums of money from her. Oh, no. Isn't that fucked up? The scheme adversely affected Vanderbilt's home design business and forced her to sell her property. Almost a decade later, in 2002, her apparel company was bought by Jones Apparel Group. Oh, no. That's in, in 1993, Gloria won a $1.5 million judgment against the estate of her lawyer, Thomas Andrews, and Zoice, Zoice who said she took advantage of her and swindled her out of her money, swindled her out of money and Attaining her after attaining her power of attorney. This is her fucking lawyer. It's unclear whether the incident with her son Christopher was involved in the case. So remember, Christopher, something happened with him during this time. That's when he estranged himself from the family. So I don't know what happened. Like maybe did, my my thought was like he knew and he kept trying to tell her and she was ignoring him. Yeah. So it's like fuck you, I'm walking away. I that's my only thought. But who knows what happened? Oh, that's rough. The year 2011 brought forth another literal literal <laughs> The year 2011 brought forth another literally lit not literally literal no like literary <laughs> The year 2011 brought forth another literary venture as she released the collection of short stories titled The Things We Fear Most Besides writing, Gloria found success as a visual artist, delving into collage and crafting surreal, multidimensional dream boxes. These unique creations took center stage in exhibits at the New York Design Center in both 2012 and 2014. Highlighting her artistic pursuits, the coffee table book, The World of Gloria Vanderbilt, showcasing images from her life, was published in 2010. Amid personal and financial challenges, Gloria maintained a close relationship with her son, Anderson Cooper. 
They co-authored a book, The Rainbow Comes and Goes, and and released the documentary Nothing Left Unsaid in 2016. So um, what book did you listen to or did you read? I'm I'm still listening to it. Anderson Cooper's book. Anderson Cooper's book. I haven't even gotten the part. And that's about about him like going through his mom's stuff. And dealing with her death. Uh, the documentary talks about him and his mom going through her stuff. Um, the book, I'm just getting to the part in the book where he talks about his mother. I didn't get the part. <laughs> I'll learn so well, much. You didn't have like, very oh, long. I wish I would have known yeah, this. I would have said right. something. But. Yeah. As a young man, Anderson attended Dalton School in New York City and later studied public political science at Yale University. He briefly attended, I'm sorry, he briefly interned at the CIA. <laughs> Really? Later joking that it was less James Bond than he hoped it would be. <laughs> yeah. Anderson was still in college when his older brother Carter committed suicide, which combined with the tragedy of his father's death during heart surgery 10 years earlier, helped inspire Anderson to pursue journalism. He was quoted as saying, I became interested in questions of survival, why people survive and others don't, he once said. Though he began his career as a fact-checker for Channel One News, Anderson's drive quickly earned him a coveted spot of the chief international correspondent for the channel following his self-produced coverage of the political turmoil in Burma. Yeah, I remember that. From 1994 to 2000, he served as a reporter for ABC on several of its news programs, including World News Tonight, before taking a break from journalism to serve as a host for the reality show... Do you remember? I can't remember. I I remember the show. I can't the remember. Mole. The Mole. Oh, you wait. remember that show? No, the Mole? I don't remember that. What was it that about? It came out around that. I feel like it came out around the same time as Survivor or soon after. And it was like people, um, there was a, like a whole group of people and they had clues that they had to go through and stuff like that. And there was one mole. And you had to, and like people took notes. It was kind of a good show. It was, was on it? for a couple seasons. Yeah, I, I liked it. It was a reality show, kind of like Survivor. Following the September 11th attacks in 2001... Anderson returned to the world of reporting for CNN, and in 2003, he earned his own show on the network, Anderson Cooper 360. Can you imagine, though, like you're you're a journalist, right, all this time, and yeah. then you decide, oh, I'm going to go off and do this show, which was a cool show, but then 9-11 happens, and you, like, as a as a true journalist, you have to yeah, get back you, in. Yeah, your like, passion makes you want to go back. I can't imagine not going and back. He's, and he's so good, and he's so, he he's, comes off as so genuine. Mm-hmm. And just like a caring, and he's really good looking. He is very good looking. I know when I found out he was gay, I was like, God damn it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's... But he seems like such a, like, I follow him on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And his kids are fucking adorable. Oh, I'm sure. They're so cute. I'm sure. He... And he's still like, well, you're probably going to say this, but he still has a, um, he obviously had them for, from surrogacy. Uh-huh. And oh, what? yeah he didn't get pregnant um but he raises them with his ex-boyfriend yeah so that's like they're both their two dad yeah but they they are still really good friends and Uh they raise the kids that's so sweet i know people talk about oh gay people shouldn't have kids well they're better than males and females together for for sure. sure Yeah, I mean, I know more gay couples that are friends after breaking up than... I know a lot of gay couples that have, like, maintained... I mean, Chris and Brandon have, and they, they're they only co-parenting a dog. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris and Brandon That's actually, a lot. I know, it is. For them. Chris and Brandon used to hang around with them, with Anderson Cooper and his old Oh, really? Friend. Yeah. yeah. When? When he lived in New York. When Chris lived in New York. I didn't know that. 
in Why the city. Why you tell me this th- these things? Oh, my girl. His old boyfriend owned a bar, and they used to go to events there and stuff. Oh. Yeah. So while Anderson continues to anchor his show for CNN, he also serves as a contributor on CBS's 60 Minutes and briefly hosted a short live talk, sh- a short-lived talk show called Anderson Live. For his efforts... He has won five Emmy Awards, as well as a Peabody Award for his coverage of Hurricane Katrina. Oh. And I do remember him doing Katrina. Yeah. Um, not doing Katrina, but covering Katrina. He know. would never do Katrina. He would never do Katrina. <laughs> not unless Katrina was a drag queen, maybe. <laughs> right, yeah. In 2012, Anderson came out publicly, though he had been out in private since he was a teen becoming the first openly gay primetime news anchor in American history. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? Throughout her life, Anderson maintained a close relationship with his mother, creating the 2016 documentary about Gloria and their relationship, was as well publishing women. Throughout her life, Anderson maintained a close relationship with his mother, creating the 2016 documentary about Gloria and their relationship, as well as publishing a collection of correspondence, The Rainbow Comes and Goes. A Mother and Son's Life, Love and Loss in 2017. Oh, God. What the fuck? (laughs) Sorry. I was bowling. Sorry, you guys. (laughs) Oh, my God. Lynn just knocked over all the cans. All the the empty cans. Sorry. Made us sound like alcoholics. <laughs> I know. Like when I empty my recycle yes. into the big trash, I'm like, I hope the neighbors are no, listening. mine's all wine bottles. Like, ging, 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 ging. I'm like, that's just soda cans. That's yeah, all soda. We're big soda drinkers here. Um, that reminds me of when somebody opens a can of soda, when I used to work in the office all the time, and somebody opened a can of soda, I'm like, who's got beer? <laughs> that's where my mind goes directly. Who's drinking a beer? Who's drinking a beer? Anyway, okay. Anderson Cooper and his mother, Gloria, always had what he described as a very unique relationship. So one time when they were doing an interview together, they realized they had the same laugh. Yeah. And I was listening to, I was listening, I don't know if it was in his book or it was in the podcast. I don't remember what it was, but I was listening to something and they were, they started laughing and they, and then he was, and then she was like, one of them said to the other, oh my God, we laugh exactly alike. And then they got so tickled and they could not stop laughing. Yeah, and it was like so one funny. of them going, hee hee hee. The other one going, hee hee hee. <laughs> it was like back and forth. It was so funny. I laughed cute. so hard listening to it. It was very cool. And they never had noticed that before. And it was like, they're, That's you know, so funny. he was a grown man. When my mom turned, this Anderson said, when my mom turned 91, I wanted to use the time that we had left in our lives to get to know each other as adults. I realized I didn't want there to be anything left unsaid with my mom. I didn't want there to be questions that I still had about who she was and what her life was like. And I didn't want her to have questions about me as an adult. Um, so... She wrote a book, and she gave a sneak peek into her seemingly charmed but privately difficult life. She said people were so fascinated with this family that apparently had everything, Gloria said in a documentary. I never felt that I belonged. I felt like I was an imposter. She just didn't feel like I wonder why. I don't know. Well, probably because she was ripped away. Like, she was not, yeah, like, so, like, her family was like, 
like her mom tried to keep her estranged from the the Vanderbilts. She was oh really? Yeah, she didn't want her being any part of them. Why? Well, because she was um um. So her father was the Vanderbilt, and then her mother had her twin sister, and so they like ripped her away. And her mother was just trying to live off of her trust. So her mother didn't necessarily like want her to be part of the Vanderbilt family. She like. You think she would so that she could get the money. Right. Well, she would get the money. She was definitely getting it. She had a trust. Yeah. But her mother, by keeping control of her, got to live off the interest, I guess. Mm. So um, he I said, mean, think about like she was living pretty well. Think about oh my God. how and much the interest, like how big was her trust? It was huge. Yeah. Yeah. As a, a Cooper was noted as saying, as a young kid, I didn't know the orange, origins of this sadness that permeated her life she has this drive that makes uh, she has this drive and that drive makes it impossible to have a calm existence in the four weeks between his mother being diagnosed with cancer and dying cooper confessed to her that he wanted to become a father she was thrilled he said i told her maybe two weeks before she died when she started to get ill it was very quick having a child was just an idea in my head and a desire but I thought, this is the time I want to tell her. He just wanted yeah. her to know. When she was around 85, she had offered to be a surrogate for Anderson. <laughs> if he decided to have a child, he was like, Mom, I love you. But even for you, this is just bats. <laughs> bats crazy. <laughs> he said, this is just nuts. Uh, he recalled with a laugh on, he said this on Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Uh-huh. Of course, it's going to be a boy, Cooper recalled Gloria saying after he shared the news. I didn't say that I would name him after my dad, but she knew that that's what, that's what it would be. Aww. And she knew that if it was a girl, she would be named after her. Oh. Gloria he has di- two little boys, right? Yeah, he has two yeah. little boys. Gloria died in her New York City home on June 17, 2019. Anderson's son, Wyatt Morgan, was born 11 months later. Oh. And he has since welcomed another son, Sebastian Luke who was born in 2022. So Wyatt is after his dad, and then Morgan is a family name in her mom, his mom's family. Oh, okay. Gloria Vanderbilt, um, Cooper uh, Anderson said this, his quote is saying this, Gloria Vanderbilt was an extraordinary woman who loved life and living it in her own terms. She was a painter, a writer, and a designer, but also a remarkable mother, wife, and friend. She was 95 years old, but ask anyone close to her and they'd tell you she was the youngest person they knew, the coolest and the most modern. Following her death, Anderson delivered a moving eulogy for his mother on CNN saying, The last few weeks, every time I kissed her goodbye, I'd say, I love you, Mom. And she would look at me and say, I love you, too. You know that. And she was right. I did know that. Oh, that's so sweet. I knew it from the very moment I was born. And I'll know it for the rest of my life. And in the end, what a greater gift can a mother give her son? Oh, isn't that okay, so sweet? I know. <laughs> it's so it's sweet. So sweet. That's like all that a mother so, wants, you know? No, and he's, well, he's so articulate that I think being able to, like, yeah. absolutely say this is just, like, a gift that he has. Yeah. Being able to articulate those words. At the time of the birth announcement on Instagram, he explains that the name Wyatt is after his father, Wyatt Emery Cooper, and his son's middle name is a family name on his mom's side. I already told you guys that, but... He said Morgan. What? He said Morgan was a family name. No, Emery. Well, you said Morgan. Oh, that was weird. Is that Sebastian's middle name? Wyatt Morgan was 11 months old. I know, but 
What about Sebastian? That's so funny because... Is it Sebastian Morgan? That's funny. I don't know because that's, um, I got it from different sources, so I don't know. I don't know. Just making well, shit up. Oh, Wyatt Emery was his dad's name. So it's Wyatt Morgan Cooper was the, is his name. This must be, must be a typo. Could have been mine. Sorry. Oh, so Wyatt um, Morgan is... Wyatt is his dad's name. Morgan was a family name. From his mom's side. Yeah. Okay. He added, I do wish my mom and dad and brother, Carter, were alive to meet Wyatt. But I like to believe that they can still see him. I imagine them all together, arms around each other, smiling and laughing, happy to know that their love is alive in me and in Wyatt and that our family continues. That has to be so hard to be like the last one, you know? Like your whole family has died. Yeah. Well, I I mean, mean, he still has his brother, his other brothers. But yeah, but that's not, I mean, I I don't feel like he grew up that much. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he's close to them at all. I mean, they were still, you know, his mom, they were still her boys, but they were older when he was born. So they were probably onto their own thing at that point. Right. And it's just so sad. Like he's the last of his generation. And in, in the documentary, it's very cool if you ever watch it. Um, he and his mom are going through like there's like boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff. And he's like, what do you want to do with this stuff? And she's like, oh, that was from your grandfather did that. I want to keep that. Put that in my studio. And then he's like this. And he's like, and he was very, you know, agreeable with whatever, yeah. whatever she wanted. But she was an artist and did paintings and drawings and stuff like that. And so she had a studio in New York. And um, but when they were going through the boxes, she was like came across a stack of letters from God, I can't remember who they were to and from, but it was they were letters back and forth from people. Yeah. And she had them, they were like bound with like string or something. Yeah. And it was a big second. She had them put in a plexiglass, like airtight contained yeah. like box so they would be preserved. And so she had them like in her like living room as a decoration or somewhere oh, as a decoration. Weird. It was kind of cool because it's like all these letters. You don't know who open. they were from? I can't remember. It was in the documentary. Oh, good job, Lynn. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> She was like, she wasn't as crazy as Alva, that's for sure. But she definitely led, um, you know, a high society, like first yeah, class life. Sounds you know? like it. And she didn't like, you know, she definitely put up with shit in her first marriage. And her second marriage, you know, she said that they were like love at first sight kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, the age difference had to show it. I just point. wonder, yeah, I just wonder, like, what else had gone on in her life to make her seek those types of guys out like so well, did she not have a father no her dad died from from oh so maybe that liver disease when she yeah. was little he he died when she was really young from liver disease and so you know he had you know so there was that and then her mother was like like living the high life kind of thing right. like oh and we're going to go live in paris and yeah. we're yeah and yeah. so yeah, I'm sure she had issues. And she was probably looking for someone to be, like, well, and then Dodo a parental was, figure. Well, Dodo was the only parental figure she ever had. Yeah. And then she got ripped away from her. They're like, yeah, we don't need you anymore, and just fired her. And so back when, um, I can't remember if it was when she was married to the composer, she found Dodo and hired her to be oh, her really? nanny for her kids. Aww. Yeah, I can't remember if it was when Anderson was little, but I feel like it was when the other boys were Cause little. Because you think about kids like that, like, yeah, that becomes almost like their mother. It, she says that that is the parental figure, the only parental figure she had. And then, like, maternal and then figure. When, once she's old enough to take care of herself, they fire her. 
And then well, she, she wasn't even old enough to take care of herself oh, when really? they fired Dodo. Yeah, like they ripped her out of her life, and she was yeah. Devastated. That's like your mom like disappearing. She, I mean, she was it's devastated awful. when they took her away. But then she, when she found her, she was talking about this in the documentary. She was so excited. I bet. And she, it's like finding I, I, I your mom. Say she was the nanny for not Anderson, but for the for the other two boys. Oh. But she hired that because I feel like age wise, I don't know if she would have been. Around she would have been, yeah. But then she had she she had. She and Dodo had a lot of correspondence, and then right before she died, um, she had sent a letter. I don't know if Gloria had sent a letter to her or she had sent a letter to Gloria, and she said that she said that she was so happy that she had reconnected with her. Before right before she died. Dodo died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, and she said that you know she felt like she should have done more, and she did some stuff for her after her death. I can't remember what it was, but she, yeah, she was like, I still felt like I should have done more, and yeah, because she was like a mother to her. And that's what sucks about those like nannies and caregivers is that they can just get fired on a whim, right? And that's your that's her and, mother yeah, for right. all intents that's purposes. All that was her mother. All she's known, right? It's so sad. That is really sad. But I mean, living in that, and I feel like just kids that live in that spotlight and that kind of social life that I feel like they're always fucked up because it's so unrealistic. It is, life. and they're they're being judged constantly. Jesus! Oh my God! Is that? My water. Oh, Lynn. Sorry, y'all, I spilled my water. A long time ago when I left it laying down. <laughs> I thought when you made that face, I was like, oh my God, it's all in my computer. No, no it wasn't. It wasn't even touching Thank God computer, it but, didn't. But I just looked over there to take a sip and I realized, oh my God, it's, <laughs> my cup's laying down. Oh my God. So anyway, that's pretty cool, isn't it? That is. That was a good story. Whew, I know it was short, but it was short and sweet and to the point, girl. That's right. That's how we like it here. So, as I say every week, if you love that, which we know you did, give us a follow on our social media at No Ordinary Women Pod, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, tw- TikTok, TikTok, and on the <laughs> X. It's not Twitter anymore, Rose. Oh, sorry. No Ord O R D Women Pod, or you can email Rose or I, Lynn at No Ordinary Women or Rose Stein at no or- rose.stein at noordinarywomenpod.com. <laughs> Please go on your social, your, uh, your podcast platform that you're listening on and give us a check mark for follow, rate us, review us, and share it with your friends. <laughs> we hope you had a great Thanksgiving because we did. Bye. How do you know? Bye. Bye.